Hey guys, so I wanted to pop in right before this episode um, and just share with you that we are still accepting sponsorships. So if you're a brand that is looking for some more exposure to our audience and want to be on our other social channels that we have recently populated, uh, we would love to have you as a sponsor. And so let us know, reach out to us at skincarearchy at gmail.com. I am so excited that you've tuned in for this episode. Revlon is beyond iconic this has been such a dream come true being able to record this episode so i hope that you all love it just as much as i loved recording it huge shout out and thank you to martine's whole team for organizing this and giving us this immense opportunity thank you guys for listening and enjoy the show Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. Today is such a dream come true. This is very surreal for me and I am so star starstruck to even be hosting this amazing guest. Um, I'm sure you all have heard of Revlon. Um, it I'm sure it holds a very special place in your hearts just like it does mine. So I wanna, without further ado, I wanna introduce you guys to the Chief Marketing Officer for Revlon, Martine Williamson. Welcome to the show, Martine. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this and to come chat with us. Oh my goodness, Eka, thank you for that beautiful intro. Um, oh, I'm, really, I'm really happy to be here. I love, you know, these are the things that we love to do. Beauty is a fun category, so you have to have fun with it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I couldn't think of a better brand that really encompasses that. And I want to get started by really talking about you because I know I have a lot of, you know, things to rave about with Revlon, but I, I really want to know more about you and how, you know, your career journey has led to this. I know you've been a, you know, integral part of Revlon for many years. So could you get us started with your career background? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I started, you know, my career in advertising um, at a little creative shop down in Soho. And I always think, you know, I, I like to hire when we're hiring kind of junior marketing positions. I really love hiring agency people because I think it gives you, you know, a really great kind of skill set. And you really understand how to work with, with clients and late hours and creative and, you know, account management. I think that whole combination really kind of builds you as a strong uh, marketing candidate. Um, and from there, I, I actually pitched a business that we did not win, uh, but it was Calvin Klein, and they asked me to come over um, to interview for a marketing position there. So I started at Calvin, such a beautiful, you know, iconic um, American yeah. brand with such a defined positioning. Um, and I started on the fashion side, which was uh, really, you know, about buzz generation. So it was less so... Uh, P&L driven and really just about creating uh, the buzz and getting the right celebrities to wear the product and, and getting the word out there. Um, mm -hmm. And with time I grew and got promoted and I went to the fragrance business, which was very much about uh, the P&L. <laughs> fragrance <laughs> and, and underwear were the biggest uh, growth drivers at Calvin and they were also licensed business. So. Um, you know, really a, a virtual company, but got my first foray into beauty and fragrance, you know, so event driven holidays and Mother's Day and really building, you know, the campaigns and the programs and, and the GWPs to drive that. So really a nice mix, I would say, of the creativity, but with the financial rigor um, yeah. and realized I loved that balance. Like I'm very much a left brain, right brain um, type of uh 
person. So ultimately, yeah. the head of licensing at Calvin went over to Revlon to start a new division um, called Brand Exposure and Global Licensing and uh -huh. asked me to join. Um, so that was my first introduction to Revlon in 2000, oh, which is, it pains me to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, started there, you know, really building this new department. And it was about how do you get the brand out there in um, less traditional ways um, at the time it was very driven by print and TV. So we really started by doing partnerships and movie tie-ins and, you know, attending like Sundance uh, and building out spas with InStyle magazine. So really kind of guerrilla marketing, um, brand driving activities. Um, and that gave me a lot of exposure to the organization cross-functionally. Um, and it was really about changing the way um, that marketing was looked at. So it was a very interesting and transformative role for me um, as more of, I started as a marketing manager. And when I left that role, I was a senior director. Um, mm. And then I held more traditional roles within, um, within Revlon. Um, within the color, you know, marketing space. And then I moved to merchandising. I worked at Bentonville for a year on the sales side. Um, mm -hmm. So really moved around to get different perspectives. Um, and I always said yes to new opportunities. I think you should always say yes, because even if it doesn't seem like the, the sexiest role or something that you may want to do at the onset, you'll always learn from it. And it always just builds kind of your, your personal toolkit Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And I mean, you know, I want to ask you though, because you have such, you know, you have such a diverse uh, background with the marketing, you know, aspect of things. So like when you first started like rebuilding and redesigning what you needed to do for Revlon, um, you know, what were some of the things that hurdles and things that you had to work through, like, you know, in terms of like coming up with concepts, like, can you go into more detail? Absolutely. I think the, the biggest hurdle when you're in an organization and trying to sell in a new idea is building the trust of your colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> really developing those relationships and, in, and ensuring that we all have the same vision and we're aligned in, in the path forward. And when you are, you know, bringing something to the table that hasn't been done yet, it's also important to make sure that you have kind of those KPIs and measurements in place so that mm. we're all tracking and being objective in what success looks like. Yeah. Um, so, so I would say there's so much of that internal just relationship building and trust building that really enables success, I think, quicker. Um, yeah. And then, you know, being out there and this, you know, uh, to me, and I'm not a great networker in the traditional sense of the word. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not like one to really go to networking events, but again, back to building relationships with, other brands and other business verticals and being kind of on the pulse of what's happening in music and film and, you know, all these different areas and now digital and influencers. So I, I think always kind of looking externally um, and externally with what the consumer's doing versus being so internally focused. That makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I love that you said that about team building, because I think, you know, I've had so many conversations with like editors and we talk about, you know, for example, like I know for me, Revlon has always been this brand that is just a beacon of like just inclusivity and just a safe place. You know, I remember being like, you know, I started with makeup when I was like 11, 12 years old, you know, hiding it from my mother, of course, you know, <laughs> of course. but, but like, you know, for me, it was the first 
first brand that I found a shade of foundation or I found a shade of lipstick that worked for me. And it was just this like this amazing experience, you know what I mean? Of like going in and being able to find something that looked good on my skin and made me feel beautiful. So like I've always looked at Revlon as like this like kind of like an example of how inclusivity should be, you know what I mean, in the beauty industry. So like, I, I want to talk to you about that a little bit and how that works within the company. Like, you know, when you're hiring or when you're looking for new talent, like, you know, how do, how do you keep up with that, you know, that vision and that, that drive that Revlon has always had? Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a great question because we really truly have been a brand of firsts um, from its onset. And we've kind of, challenge the norm and always kind of been at the, the zeitgeist of culture. And if you think, you know, whether it was, um, you know, back to our color stories and really speaking to that like housewife, you know, in yeah. a way that, that brought these fantasies to life um, that weren't really, you know, accepted at the time and to Charlie, you know, and the woman in a pantsuit, you know, slapping the, the man's, you know, behind um, yeah, yeah. We had our, you know we were the first person to hire an african-american uh brand ambassador we've had men in our campaigns with unforgettable women so right. we really have always had that in in the heart of our business and yeah. you know it's important to me and the team you know to really make sure that that you know goes through and seeps through every employee no matter where you work in the organization and so, you know, we have a DNI committee. Um, we are on councils. We have so we have a multicultural group um, that really is doing phenomenal things with scholarships. So we, it's always just been a part of our DNA and who we are. And we ensure that we're always pushing ourselves um, to be there. And by the way, you can find talent everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, you know, and honestly, Martina, I want to share a story with you because this is seriously like so close to my heart. You know, my parents are immigrants to this country, you know, and they and they came over here obviously to build a better life they were both professionals in India um and then when they came over here like they had nothing you know all their degrees didn't really matter because they redo everything but my mother um she her only makeup item was a Revlon lipstick and she had bought that in like rural India and she and she brought it all the way from India to America and she to this day still has it and it's this beautiful maroon lipstick and I remember like being a kid and watching her put it on and seeing how just that one thing that she did for herself gave her so much empowerment and she was able to go out into the world she completely recreated her life you know what I mean she went back to school did all these things and I I'm not saying you know like that's everything but that one thing that one makeup item she has you know, I've seen it empower her over and over again. So for me, like I, I look at that and I think about, you know, we have all these conversations now in the beauty industry where it's like women empowerment and love your body and love yourself. But it's like, you know, Revlon has just been doing that, like, you know, just innately. And I, and I just want to, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that, you know, like how you perceived that as you joined the company and just, you know, your experience with that whole aspect. Oh my goodness. So it's so funny. Everybody has a story about themselves, their mother, their grandmother having a Revlon product and the yeah. transformative nature of it. So, so there really is something emotional about that. Um, but you know, one of the reasons that I returned back to Revlon this year um, is because of Debbie Perlman. And, mm. you know, I, I worked with her peripherally um, back in the day 
and always had such respect for her. Um, and she really worked her way up and, uh, you know, was never handed any favors, like, and one of the smartest people I know. So when she called me and, you know, told me what they, you know, were trying to do and, and really transforming the business and, and acting more entrepreneurial and like a startup and the, everyone I met, the female leadership team were female leaders, but 75% of us on the leadership team are women. Wow. And, and we have a female CEO. So if you look at our competitors and across like the industry, that's very rare, which is very surprising. Yeah. Yeah, it is. No, and, I know. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. And so that was like a big checkbox for me um, because, yeah. you know, we, we know like you want to support each other and together we are so much stronger and we don't need to be competitive and we need to lift each other up. And that's really the culture we have here. And so when I say, you know, you can find talent everywhere, I don't think I haven't gone the traditional route in my career. Um, and I think that looking in all places, um, you know, at, at all colors, all sizes, there is just like such an opportunity to, to continue to bring in new um, yeah. and build and develop. That's I I love that I really love that and wow on the on the amount of women that are in the team that's phenomenal no wonder you know no wonder that the brand is just so iconic and it it's, remains that way I mean you know I think like from the beginning like if you do things right like it really shows and obviously you know Revlon is iconic in every way possible so that makes sense everything you said um, I want to ask you though that you know from a multicultural standpoint because I know there's a lot of you know. Um, um, there's a lot of fans for Evlon all over the world. You know, it, it really resonates. The brand resonates with literally every woman, I think, in the world. And so how do you guys manage that international, you know, just presence and, you know, message that, or vision that you have for the brand, like, for, you know, in different countries and different cultures? Yeah, so we, we build out our, you know, strategy or three-year strategy and build a global portfolio. Um, so it's very insights driven. We are work hand in hand with our consumer insights group that leverages global insights trends. We're, we're very data driven um, mm -hmm. in our approach. And, you know, we build out this global portfolio and then we work very closely with the markets on what needs and gaps that they have due to their local market trends or behaviors or consumer insights. And so then we, we like layer on this local market um, innovation planning. And quite frankly, there's, you know, um, different trends like China, for instance, uh, you know, yeah. they do a lot of in and out, very trend, um, very color driven. So we do some local market innovation in those markets to ensure that we're really building out their needs on kind of the quick, fast fashion. And then we have our, our mainstays, like a color stay foundation where, you know, we ensure that that's captured everywhere globally, and we're building a shade range that delivers for yeah. skin type globally. And we have yeah. state-of-the-art manufacturing, R&D facilities, product development. We use external panels and systems. So our development is, you know, top of the line. Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, no, like, no joke, Martine, like, this 
I remember when I was like, you know, obviously using makeup as a teenager, like you have acne breakouts and stuff like that, right? And we all deal with that. And for me, I had very sensitive skin. And so when I used to try even some of the other brands, I'm not going to call anyone out, but like, you know, even some of the other huge brands that we hear about, I would always get these breakouts, but I never had problems with Revlon. I never had like, you know, I put on foundation the next day, I'm like breaking out. So it's like the technology has always been there. And, you know, especially now, like this conversation becomes so relevant because we're talking so much. I mean, the whole podcast for me is skincare, right? So I'm, we talk about skincare and just being like, you know, using products that are healthy for your skin and they don't cause more damage. And I feel like Revlon's just been doing that from the beginning. So, um, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about that? And like, in terms of like, how does the whole, you know, formulation aspect work for the brand? Like, I mean, is it, you know, how, how is all of that set up? Yeah. So keep in mind, we also have Elizabeth Arden, which is, you know, leading in prestige skincare with such unbelievable innovation, their ceramides and their privage. And then Alme, which has been, you know, was clean before clean was a thing. <laughs> and I yeah. it less <laughs> ingredients. So, um, no, I, I'm really proud of the brands within the portfolio and how they have delivered on that cutting edge uh, formulation and delivering on skin needs. And we test, uh, you know, we don't test on animals, so we follow all of, you know, um, cruelty-free, but we do test and we have very strict regulatory, very conservative legal, which sometimes from a marketer can be a pain. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... But we really do, um, we do it properly because we do it ourselves and our development timelines in some cases are longer when the innovation is that groundbreaking, of course. Um, but we, we, we just do it really well because we've been doing it for so long. And we leverage, you know, foundational ingredients that are thriving in, you know, in skincare into a color product, you know, because yeah. we have such a diverse portfolio. We have, you know, every, every beauty care item we have, deodorant and hair care and tools and men's grooming and so we have a large library to pull from right yeah I mean it totally makes sense and I just think that you know it's so nice that there you know there are brands such as this well you know Revlon especially where it's available to everybody the accessibility is just I mean next level I, I don't think you can beat Revlon with accessibility you know what I mean so it's like it's really good to know that the products that people are buying from this brand and you know all of the other brands in your portfolio they're quality products you know and they're not things that are gonna harm the consumers because I know a lot of times people you know they criticize drugstore brands or they criticize brands you can find in like you know a pharmacy because it's like oh it's not as good as like Sephora's brands or whatever but it, that's just you know Revlon is just in a whole different you know like category like you know it's just like luxury makeup and, and that's accessible to everybody so I, I, I love but it. you know I think that point is important because it does go back to inclusivity and what, how much that is such, you know, the heart of our total portfolio. And we want to provide quality products at accessible prices because, you know, we're not elitist and we want it to be available to all of those who can afford. So that's a, a big piece in how we kind of develop and do our packaging. A lot of times we'll spend, you know, a lot of money on the formulation um, and keep the package more clean and minimal and sustainable, but to really, you know, invest in the formulation too. 
yeah and you guys have a mate like the amount of product is like phenomenal too like you can buy a thing of foundation and it's gonna last you forever like it's <laughs> like it's really not like you're buying i mean you know what i mean you spend like 15 dollars on a foundation and that foundation is gonna last you for like a really long time and it's just I, I love it i love the accessibility i love how you know in every country like you can go to like you know india you can go to you know, Sri Lanka or anywhere, you can get these products and women can afford them and keep them. And, you know, it's not something they have to keep worrying about, like refilling and rebuying and stuff. So I think that's just, it just makes such a huge impact, you know, globally, when I think about it from like a humanistic standpoint, like, you know, in terms of economy and all that good stuff. So I, I really, really just, you know, I really admire the brand for all of that, you know, and, and giving women those options. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, um, for some career advice, because I know that that is something You're everyone... the doctor are asking me for career advice. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, I mean, you have had such a phenomenal career. So I, I just I would love for you to share some insight, um, you know, just for all the young professionals out there, you know, that want to make it and they want to do really well in this industry. And um, especially if they're in marketing, if you have any you know, words of wisdom for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna sound somewhat repetitive, but you know, there, there's two things that I think have been a secret to my success. And, you know, one is building that, that, that relationship cross-functionally and really like leveraging your partner's expertise and what they bring to the table and, and soaking that all in. I think building those, you know, really authentic relationships um, helps drive things faster and the collaboration, when the collaboration is high, like great ideas come. Um, and with that, also building a network of like mentors. There's so much that you can learn, um, you know, from people and even in different industries and different levels, just tapping in and always, you know, learning. Like I'm just such a curious person. <laughs> so yeah. I ask a lot of questions and I think like continuing to, to always do that and build that out and have that curiosity. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, say yes to opportunities. Don't go in thinking, and, and I find that is a difference with some of like Gen Z and millennials, like they, they think they have a path and know that path at such a young age. And I yeah. think there's beauty into, you know, letting things happen and taking opportunities that you might not have thought you would and seeing where that takes you. I mean, I never would have thought I would come back to Revlon. <laughs> when mm -hmm. I left, I had a great career. I was very happy. I was cheering for the brands on the sideline. Um, but, you know, it really is just keeping yourself open um, to opportunities and risks and being okay with taking risks because mm -hmm. you're going to fail. And, you know, we all, I'm sure you can agree with this. Like you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. And yeah. I think yeah. you can't be okay um, you need to be okay with that failure. And a, a lot of people get a little nervous about that and then therefore, you know, are more conservative in their career approach. Yeah, no, that's really, really great advice. And I hope everyone listening, please, you know, just, you know, pay heed and, and really listen to what Martine said, because I completely 100% agree with you. And, you know, also, I want to ask you from like a marketing standpoint, because I know there are so many, you know, entrepreneurs now in the beauty space where they're really trying to get their products out there. And, you know, it's just, it's a struggle. And I, I keep hearing that from small, you know, small business entrepreneurs that are just like, well, I don't know how to attract customers to, you know, what I'm selling. And so is there, are there any like key marketing, like, you know, like, 
jewels that you've picked up, you know, during your career that you could share with them? Well, you know what the beauty of today is that when I started out, we did not have is in order to get consumer feedback, you had to do, you know, consumer research and testing and focus groups and quantitative. Nowadays with in the internet, you can read reviews and you can read social feeds and commentary and you can get consumer feedback every minute of the day. And I think truly understanding what, you know, figuring out your target and who, what consumer you are going after, but truly understanding what they want, what they're looking for, what they like in a product, what they don't like in a product or a campaign or a brand. And that is like, so much like that's that's worth millions <laughs> yeah and having that at your fingertip those insights and so I find myself in my spare time like you know trolling all of these sites just to get into the heads of the consumer and you know there there's general global trends that are so important clean beauty and sustainability and um you know shade inclusivity and then you know, understanding that and building your strategy to ensure you're delivering, but then getting into the nuance based on, you know, what you, what, what product you're developing. And I think that is the key to success is really leveraging all of the intel we have on a regular basis from consumers. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I love that. And I think that's something that, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people spend time on. So I totally, I totally see the value of, of you know, really doing that deep dive into understanding the consumer. Um, I, you know, I want to ask you though, Martine, I have to ask you, what are some of your favorite beauty products that you can't live without or skincare products that you can't live without? I'm sure oh. everyone wants to know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the list is so long. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So first of all, like my, if I was on a deserted Island, well, I guess maybe less so because I wouldn't see people, but I can't leave. I love <laughs> mascara. Like I just, that's my one that I have to wear. Um, among all else. So I love my mascara. I am just like many people um, during COVID, I really amped up my skincare. (laughs) Um, So I always, you know, am a beauty junkie. Clearly I've been in beauty for my entire career, but I will try anything. And I will also try any kind of laser treatment or anything like that. Um, But I, I really have started to do the masks and trying the serums. I love our ceramide capsules, like the portability um, and like the snackability of what's happening in skincare now um, and doing the the layered routine. So I really, I think I put like seven products on a night. (laughs) (laughs) Same, don't worry. (laughs) And it's like, and it's fun. And my daughters have now taken up uh, that and they're too young to be spending that much money or my money. And then who doesn't love to rock a good lip, a good colored lip? Yes, <laughs> when, so true. Right, when we're on Zoom too, like that's yeah. the one thing that just um, brightens the day. Um, and then, you know, I, I've been, another thing with COVID is, you know, you, the hair routines, the nail, you know, I started kind of doing a lot of that at home and it saves me so much time and money now. Like I, I don't always need to sit in a salon, um, you know, yeah. but I'm so busy. So I really play across the board. I really do. Um, but I would say that skincare is my latest obsession and all the latest innovations coming out of that and, and a good lip and a mascara. I love that. I love that. And I love that you love skincare so much because yes, that is the whole point of my podcast. And I am truly. <laughs> what is your favorite skincare product? Oh my gosh. You know, you, you can't put me on the spot with that. <laughs> <laughs> a hard question. It's like, who's your favorite child? 
Um, you know, I really love masks. I'm not gonna lie to you. I love any kind of a good hydrating, moisturizing mask because I love just coming home and being able to put that on my face and be like, oh, okay. Self care, you know. You like, know, it is. It is bigger element to it than just your skin. Yeah, it's like the feeling of just like, okay, something cool is on my face and I'm laying down and I don't have to worry about anything else. And I took the day <laughs> off, like with that one mask came my came off my stress of the day. Exactly, exactly. I love and I love that skincare is like it's picking up. You know what I mean? So I really support your daughters. You gotta let them, you know, <laughs> let them spend their allowances on skincare because that's <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, but thank you, Martine. This has been so wonderful. You are just so lovely and such an inspiration. I'm truly starstruck that you even made the time for this. Um, oh my I can't gosh, it was enough. so much fun. What an enjoyable <laughs> part of my afternoon. If, if I can, I'm going to try to grab you again for another episode if you ever have time in the future. So, um, you know, stay. Just you have keep my an eye number. Out. You have my number. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, everyone listening, I'm sure you already know where to find Revlon. Um, I'm going to tag, you know, obviously everything in the art for this, but I would love to hear your comments and your feedback. And please, please, please go on to iTunes or Spotify. Leave us some ratings, some comments. Um, we really want to hear from you. And if you have any questions for Martine's team, leave them in the comment section and I'll pass them along. Thank oh, you so perfect. much. More constructive <laughs> feedback. I love it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Have a great day. You too.